0: I am free If you need somebody Let me be your man. I'll write some more lyrics to this song As soon as I can We're gonna sell a lot of records And make it nice I can see in the wintertime Coming up, it's gonna be groovy with a brand new pair of shoes and a new batch of rice.
1: We now pause ten seconds for station identification modern let me repeat fun, standard, that. Standard temporary definitely music personal,
2: not top 40
0: personality personality
2: program personality and conversation.
0: W C E FM. A- definitely not top 40. Let's start what we have come into the room to do. <laughs> right. On. Here goes. 1 2
1: Hello, Ann Arbor and the world. This is It's Hot Here on WCBN-FM. Ann Arbor. And we are here on this very hot, hot summer day. I'm Rachel Chatterden, one of your co-hosts. And I am so excited to introduce a new co-host who will be joining us for the foreseeable future on It's Hot and Here. This is Sarah Kemke.
3: Yay. Thank you very much, Rachel. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: We are so happy that you are here. And Gina Getham, the one and only, will be joining us in a few minutes. So let's start out with some environmental news. Um, Of the not-so-great kind, actually, a piece of ice four times the size of Manhattan Island has broken away from an ice shelf in Greenland, according to scientists in the United States. This 260-square-kilometer ice island separated from the Peterman Glacier in northern Greenland early on Thursday, said researchers based at the University of Delaware. It's about half the height of the Empire State Building, and it's the biggest piece of ice to break away from the Arctic ice cap since 1962. And it amounts to a quarter of the 70-kilometer ice shelf. So this is a, a really big piece of ice that just broke off a glacier, and um, it's just yet another piece of alarming um, news about this incredibly hot summer that we're having all over the globe, really. Um, and that really brings us to the theme of today's show— which is how to stay cool when it is so hot outside. Very true. Um,
3: it is hot out there, not maybe as hot today as it was last week, um, but we're still feeling the, the effects of summer, and it takes creative ways to stay cool. So yes. we are um, in, in search of creative ways to do that today and uh, talking about people who are staying cool, um, both in the environmental sector and um, around the country. So Yeah,
1: just in our general everyday cool and hot lives uh so grab yourself you know a beverage with with a large piece of ice hopefully not a 260 square kilometer piece of ice but you know a good size piece of ice and uh enjoy yourself for the next hour while you listen to it's hot in here we're gonna go right away to a little tune um and we will be back
4: (laughs)
0: The car upset, till I'm wheezing like a bus stop running up stairs, gonna meet you on the rooftop.
1: It's hot in here. It is. It is a hot time in this city in Ann Arbor. It's supposed to be 88 degrees with isolated thunderstorms today and tomorrow. So, um,
4: how exciting! Uh, it's very very humid out there. It is. Humidity is an
1: element of heat. Yes. Uh, that is
4: occasionally overlooked.
1: It really is. It's it, that dry heat they get out west is an entirely different thing. It's it's not so oppressive. So, um, what's what's your favorite way to stay cool, Gina? Oh, man, I have so many.
4: Uh, lately, <laughs> well, maybe not my favorite way, but lately I've been walking more instead of biking for some reason. Yeah. Taking more time to, to smell those uh, local
1: flowers. Yeah. And just moving a little bit slower Yes,
4: helps. Yes. Definitely. I mean, I, th- I think it's still good to, to get up to full body heat, do some sweating in the heat as well, as mm-hmm. long as you're replenishing with fluids. But from a day-to-day basis, you know, yeah, in, in terms of the movements of
1: your life. For sure. Walk. Walk. Uh, second favorite is taking uh, tepid baths. Mm-hmm. Also quite refreshing. <laughs> tepid showers will do the trick as well. Yes, indeed. But what? if
4: you're deeply hot, that like long soak will
1: will set you mm-hmm. straight. Yes, you could also jump in a lake. That's a, a similar similar thing. Or a river. Mm-hmm. Close river. Yes, but not right after the rain in Ann Arbor. Also, yeah, you'll not a good like idea. Uh, my favorite way. Um, I've been thinking. About uh, some iced
4: coffee
1: lately and because you know, you still need that caffeine, but sometimes you have to be really dedicated to the caffeine to to put some hot coffee in your body on a day like this. So I've been doing the cold brew thing.
4: Yes, I have
1: as well. Um, And
4: I've never lived in the desert full time or anything, but I do hear that it is good for people that do to drink, or they drink a lot of tea, for example. Mm, yes. One is probably to treat water, but secondly, your body doesn't have to bring the tea up to temperature to use it mm-hmm. as a sort of
1: bioavailable thing. Yeah. Awesome. trade offs well, well, I think we might have a, a friend of ours on, on the line. Hi, guys. Hi. We always know you're coming because Britney Spears place. <laughs>
5: It sort of happens wherever I go. I know. You
1: (laughs) you walk into a room. Oh, there's Aviva Glazer (laughs) and Britney Spears. How are you?
5: Good. How are you guys?
1: We're great. Where are you right now?
5: I'm calling from steamy Washington, D.C.
1: How hot is it there?
5: Uh, It's pretty hot. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty hot.
1: Aviva, what's your favorite way to stay cool?
5: My favorite way to stay cool is to find some shade and some water, and to just hang out in the shade. That's very low
1: impact of you, Aviva.
5: Yeah, what's your favorite way? I I missed it.
1: Oh, it was drinking iced coffee so that I can caffeinate and cool off at the same time. Great. So you have some, some toxic news for
5: us? That's right. Yeah. So I wanted to, um, to talk about ways to stay non-toxic when you are in the sun in the summer because it is hot and it is sunny out there. And even though it's good to stay cool, it's also good to enjoy that sun and to enjoy the outdoors. But it's important to do it safely. Um, so I wanted to talk about sunscreens and to tell you about um, the Environmental Working Group, which has looked at over 500 sunscreens this past year, and they actually only recommended a few of those out of 500 sunscreens—only a few of them—as being um, even close to safe. So I wanted to to tell you about what um, what could be bad in sunscreen and what you might want to avoid. Uh, there's a lot of different things to look out for. Number one would be oxybenzone, which is a syn- synthetic estrogen that penetrates the skin and can contaminate the body. Um, secondly, uh, and Rachel's not going to be very happy to hear this because I know that nanotechnology know makes say. her cry sometimes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, nanoparticles are often used in sunscreens. They're one of the most common uses of nanotechnology in consumer products. And over 300 sunscreens that are currently on the market contain either zinc oxide or titanium oxide nanoparticles. So look no. out for those. What do those do
4: again? What What's the big deal here?
5: Um, well... The reason they started making nano versions of these chemicals, which are often in sunscreens, is because people don't like that kind of white layer that doesn't rub in. So if you make them nano, it can really easily rub in, but that also means that it's getting under your skin um, because they're really tiny and they can enter into your skin um, because they're so small. And we don't really know what they do. There's no... um, um there's compounds no clear have have different nanoparticles do there's a lot of um a lot of studies that have shown that it might there's might be some cause for concern but for me I'm concerned because we know that it can get it can penetrate the skin it can get into the body it can get into the blood um but we don't know what to, what, what it can do so so for now, I'm staying away from nanoparticles when yeah, I can.
1: Compounds can have different chemical properties and interactions with each other when they're on the nanoscale than when they're at like their normal size, like the microscale. Exactly. So we just don't so, know what they do.
5: Right. So, like, um, I think aluminum is the one, is the one where you know, regular aluminum is completely harmless, but when it's nanoscale, I think it actually gets explosive yeah so it's, it's kind of crazy it's crazy mm-hmm. stuff um, and the other thing is vitamin E or sorry vitamin A eating vitamin A is obviously um, a good thing eating, eating vegetables that have lots of vitamin A is great but um, spreading it on your skin might not be as good for you uh, and some new studies show that it might actually cause um, tumors and lesions to develop um, on skin. These came from animal studies. Wait, so. Uh, and vitamin A is listed as retinal palmitate on the ingredient label.
4: Which people are smearing all over their faces to prevent aging,
1: right? That's right. Yeah.
5: So, 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 so the veggies, stuff that we, we put so on our skin. Created stuff,
1: yeah. The stuff we put on our skin to prevent skin cancer from the sun could actually be causing skin cancer from the stuff we're putting on our skin.
5: Yep. Isn't that crazy?
1: That's insane.
5: It, it's absolutely insane.
1: Wow. But our bodies do need vitamin D
4: to survive. I mean, we, yes, we, we developed absolutely. in a way that we, our bodies have come to be able to synthesize it, and, and we should certainly.
1: Nutritionists do that. recommend 15 minutes of full sun, like midday sun exposure to your face, neck, and arms for mm. an adequate dose of vitamin D. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that recommendation is good from, I think, May through October. Great. And so, otherwise
4: we need a bit more or, or consider, yeah.
1: consider supplementing. Yeah. In the yeah. winter.
4: Yeah.
5: Especially in that Michigan winter.
4: Mm-hmm. Sarah, any, uh, ideas about
3: sunscreen? How does it fit into your life? Well, I was actually just um, up in the u p this this past weekend on the beach, and I knew this this piece was coming up, and I was a little bit concerned about the uh, spreading the sunscreen on my skin although i 'm pasty white, so uh, sunscreen is usually pretty important for me um, but i 'm thinking maybe you need now the like old fashioned uh-huh. white strip on your nose instead of instead of the sunscreen you can rub in. Right. Or yeah, that- I,
5: mean, I, I would still say that sunscreen is important, and I'm not going to abandon sunscreen when I go to the beach this year. Um, but I think um, maybe looking at the ingredients is important, and I'd certainly recommend um, looking at EWG's website, the Environmental Working Group's website, because um, they've got a lot of tips, and they have um, rankings of which sunscreens they recommend.
3: Is there one that they recommend as a, as a very safe alternative that you can share with they, us?
5: They have a few, and um, they actually give um, alternatives that have nanoparticles and alternatives that um, do not have nanoparticles based on your preference level for how safe you feel that they are.
4: Hmm. Your acceptance for scientific uncertainty. That's I think right. We also overlook the fact that you could just wear long sleeves um, if you needed to. And the always fashionable sun hat. The, the, That's right. And never glasses. leave home without it. Uh, today it might also double as a rain hat.
1: <laughs> yes.
4: But we'll see what That's happens. Well. Yeah, there, and there are plenty of, of fabrics out there, natural and synthetic. Uh, we'd recommend a natural variety that will protect against uh, sun if you are out for prolonged periods of time. And not all of them are very, you know, dense and hot. Mm-hmm. So. They can be quite light and cool. Yeehaw! All right. So. Well, we should continue on, Aviva. Thank you so much for clearing something up that I've I've been thinking in in my own head and worrying about a little bit.
5: Yeah. No um, problem. Want to make sure that everybody stays cool and safe. Gosh.
4: Now I have one more question. So there's all these recommendations, particularly for women, that you should put on a daily um, sunscreen, particularly on your face, to protect against damage from the sun. What would you say?
5: Um, well, I think it depends on how. How much sun exposure you get if you're walking to work every day for a mile and it's sunny, then, yeah, I would wear some sunscreen.
4: Or you might just get your 15 minutes of Or you get your 15 fame.
5: minutes, yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you again, Aviva, and you take care, and we will talk to you next time. Stay cool All right. out there Bye. in our nation's capital. All right, we're going to take it to Janis Joplin doing a version of the classic summer time because it's that time Man, that was intense. Way to, ro- way to roll, Janice, the late, great, Janice Joplin. Uh, I'd also like to send an extra "It's Hot in Here" um, extension of uh, thought and and prayer if you're into that around here uh, to Paul Mansour, a hot one of the "Hot in Here" family. Right now, he's doing fine, but uh, you know, we just want to let him know that he's just with us to say,
1: hey. in our heads. Hey, we also want to give a. a a lovely shout out to the the great Sue Dice, who rocks our world every Monday morning before we come on, and to our engineer, Shannon Bryans, whose best is always adequate, at least. We just concluded that. <laughs> so thank you, everyone, oh, for being.
4: Alright, so uh, last week we debuted a segment um, entitled Small Infinity, which is a blog that Rachel Chatterton and Emily Plews, um students formerly of the University of Michigan and part of the Hottonair family, have put together to compile small stories of individual or small community collective action that have helped to change the world. So, let's take it to a clip from... Infinity.
1: So on the Small Infinity segment, we'll be reading one of the posts that is posted on smallinfinityproject.com. It's a community blog project. And if you go there, you can submit a story and maybe we'll read it on the air. Um, There are two stories that are up um, posted so far that fit with the theme of the show, how to stay cool when you are so hot. Uh, One is just a photo. Of um, a sign on a on a post in Ann Arbor that says "Trees made possible by the Elizabeth Dean Fund." So, we want to thank Elizabeth Dean, whoever she is, for making it possible for there to be shade in the world. Um, you'll see, you can see that one if you go to the website smallinfinityproject dot com. That one will make you chuckle. It will. It makes me chuckle every every day, um, but I wanted to read a story about um, a project called 350.org, which you may have heard of. It's Bill McKibben's organization, um, and he he um, ha- has this project. It's called 350.org. The goal being to get um, comprehensive climate legislation passed that will get atmospheric carbon dioxide under 350 parts per million, which is much less than it is right now. So I will I will read this story. I was lucky enough to find myself at a meeting with the organizers from 350.org a few weeks ago. Yes, including Bill McKibben himself, who is delightfully nerdy and very approachable. And as these young people introduce themselves and their work, I couldn't help but notice that their project, 350.org, illustrates exactly what we're talking about here on the Small Infinity Project. 350.org, you may remember, sponsored a National Day of Action last October, encouraging people all over the world to plan rallies, gather together, and take photographs around the theme of the number 350, representing 350 parts per million carbon dioxide, the atmospheric concentration that most climate scientists agree is the upper bound for avoiding major global temperature increases. We're already over it. 350.org collects photos of these days of action, and together they make a compelling statement that people all over the world want policymakers to act urgently to pass a binding global agreement. This year, 350.org is sponsoring another day of action on October 10th, 101010. 10, 10. Instead of just rallying, now they're encouraging communities to plan work parties where citizens will get together to get something done. I was at the planning meeting for the Ann Arbor area work party when I met the 350.org crew who were in town for the U.S. Social Forum. These young activists, who each represent and conduct outreach to one of six global regions, stood and described some of the projects that will take place in their regions on 10-10-10. Folks in Africa are organizing a tree planting. A group in Malaysia is working on a bike advocacy project. Here in Ann Arbor, we're going to try to build 350 raised bed vegetable gardens in one day. These small projects are worthwhile in themselves. Just the act of getting together to work on a project like this strengthens communities intangibly, while also producing tangible results. But 350.org's strategy allows people to participate in their own communities, knowing for certain what we all love to hope— that people all over the world are working just as hard as we are in their own small way. And that knowledge empowers future action and communicated to policymakers drives political change as well. I dig it.
4: Thank you. I think we're going to let that stand on our own. And uh, we can listen
1: to it over and over on the Hot in Here archives.
4: (laughs) And check out your blog.
1: Yes, smallinfinityproject.com. I really like it. And wcbn.org slash hotinhere. You awesome. should go to those websites. Yeah, they're fun. You can yeah. look at them. Great. What all are we right. doing now? <laughs> well, we have this schedule um, to keep us on track. I hey, think... we should say one more way to stay cool.
3: Ooh, I've been thinking about popsicles a lot mm. lately. Yes. I've actually been thinking about it all summer, and I haven't had one yet.
1: Oh I gosh. haven't either. You need to do that.
3: I did have some Mackinac Island fudge ice cream yesterday, which was a close, a close so um, approximation. But the fruity popsicle. Maybe yeah. red flavor.
4: Rachel, red, I feel like you would have some recommendations flavor. on how to make your own red flavor without red number red, five yeah. and stuff like that. Have you ever?
1: Um, my own have red ever, flavor?
4: Uh, or no, your own Popsicle. Anyway,
1: you could use Well, a red flavored Popsicle, yes, would be raspberry or strawberry, of course. But yeah, you can buy those like plastic Popsicle things for like two bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, make yourself some ice cube pops. Yeah. Toothpick in an, in an ice cube tray. That'll do the trick. Mm, Orange juice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, going back to my original way to stay cool. If you put iced coffee in the popsicle thing, then it's even colder coffee. An iced coffee pop.
4: Yes. Oh, I like that idea. It's quite delicious. Maybe I would add some coconut milk.
1: Mm. Oh yeah. Coffee pops. That Sounds great,
4: yeah. I've been experimenting with that instead of dairy.
1: Oh man, I'm hungry delicious. now. Yes, well, should we
4: go to this? We're song so here? delicious dishing right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, 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 I totally think we should go to a Let's song. Go to this song. I, oh. I forgot about it.
1: Yeah, tell us about there this too. This Rachel. is a, a local band called Killer Night Out, they are uh, adorable and attractive and young. And if you're uh, into that sort of thing. <laughs> This is their song, Bones. Try your eyes.
4: All right, that was local band Killer Night Out with their soon-to-be-hit favorite, Bones. They couldn't have picked a better name for a song, so I'll just leave it at that. Well, there's a lot going on uh, in D.C. We just checked in with Aviva about sunscreen and shade, but now we're going to take it to Brian Lipinski, our fashion and style and climate correspondent. (laughs) One of the most uh, diverse uh, subtitles a person could have.
6: Hello, ladies.
4: Welcome, Brian. Hello.
6: Um, yeah. So I guess I will I will start off by giving you a little update on uh, climate and energy legislation. If that sounds all right,
1: do it. That sounds great.
6: Well, I told you last time I spoke with you about how our cap and trade bill was not going to happen in this Congress, probably, and that Harry Reid was putting forth a significantly stripped down piece of legislation that had to do with incentives for natural gas. And uh, liability caps on offshore drilling, and a couple other smaller, important but not enough things. Well, continuing in my trend of delivering the bad news, on it's hot in here. I am chagrined to inform you that that is not even going to get passed until September at the earliest.
4: Wait a second, say this again. So, a bill that uh, uh...
6: there was the stripped-down energy bill. Yeah. Um. And because of some controversy over the liability cap for, for companies that engage in offshore drilling, so the cap currently is $75 million in damages mm-hmm. if you screw up like BP did, mm-hmm. um, This this legislation would have eliminated that cap. And because it's important to protect the oil companies, <laughs> we're not going to pass this legislation yet.
1: Wow. Chagrined was a really appropriate word for you to use. I can think I'm of others. I'd
6: chagrin. you guys? I would make like me to use. Call in with all the bad news. Man, this um, also might now, be, I, I don't want to yeah. say that we have no hope on this. But if if you don't follow politics, um, Congress has currently gone on recess for August, where they take their month-long vacation.
1: Isn't it six weeks this year?
6: Is it six weeks this year? That that could be.
1: I heard it six weeks this year, so two two weeks of September as well.
6: Oh. Well, thank you. That's even more depressing.
1: I know. Well, I, um, I didn't want to let you be the only one giving depressing news. No, I
6: appreciate it. Share the burden. Yeah. Um, it could still be passed later this year once they're back in session, though, but it might get weakened even further. So. Wow. That is sad.
1: Yeah. That's
6: really sad. And so our other option right now has to do with the EPA regulating greenhouse gases. and um. In December, they issued an endangerment finding in which they formally state that greenhouse gases are a threat to public health and welfare, Mm
1: -hmm. Yes, but
6: there's just all sorts of legal uncertainty here. Um, They're using provisions in the Clean Air Act to do this, and the legal challenges right now revolve around whether or not they can issue what's called a tailoring rule in which they can say only if you emit X amount will you be under regulation. This is a way to, so your lawnmower, for example, isn't regulated by it. Just factories and major emitters. Mm. But legal conservatives are trying to say that you cannot issue this rule, and basically they want the the regulations to be so stringent that people get angry, and then Congress revokes the epa's authority altogether
1: well that's not very nice what happened
6: it's not and also on the legislative side we've got republicans and a couple of democrats who are trying to reject the epa's endangerment finding lisa murkowski senator from alaska attempted a vote on this earlier this year and she lost 47 to 53 but um We have Senator Jay Rockefeller, who's a Democrat from West Virginia, which is a big coal state. And he wants to amend any energy bill to add a two-year delay on the EPA's regulation of carbon emissions. And to the White House's credit, they have stated that they would veto anything that has this amendment attached to it. But it's just another thing that might be keeping us from getting any sort of meaningful energy legislation this year.
1: So speaking of the White House, is there any indication from from the Obama administration that they want climate legislation to go through, or are they still just keeping completely silent? There were a lot of uh, campaign promises a few years ago. Yes.
6: They, they do want legislation to go through. I, I don't think there's any question of that. I think the question is how committed they are to it. And so Obama has made statements that he still wants there to be legislation, but if they're not twisting anyone's arm, it's not going to happen.
3: Right. Hmm.
4: Wow, so okay. please uh, cheer us up by telling us some sort of great anecdote about how you stay cool um, in the nation, <laughs> yeah. in, like, Let one of the swampiest places um, in America.
6: Well, I think you're going to like this one, Gina. And I shouldn't I, disparage swamps. My, my are important. My for staying Sorry. cool is to wear less clothes. Oh, oh
1: yeah. <laughs> just, and how do you pull you know, that off?
6: Turn down the A.C., put on some shorts, put on a short sleeve shirt. You don't need your house to be 70 degrees.
1: Nope, you don't
6: you don't and i should say as a counterpart to that if you're going to be spending a lot of time outdoors you should be wearing protective clothes so like big flowy fabrics and big hats yes i wish i could wear big hats but it's not really socially acceptable for men
1: how about the flowy fabrics can you pull that one off
6: um i could pull it off probably but
1: yeah it's not socially acceptable yet
6: yeah, That's what I'd like to That's say. That's true. I need to be on the front line. Yeah. You know, people um, have
4: been rocking the, the man purse or whatever for a long, you know. I mean, it takes true. time we're, we're to get into our, our, our public uh, consciousness. Mm-hmm.
6: And my other, my my sort of sub tip to this is to alter your clothes. You don't need to run out and buy a bunch of new stuff for the summer. Um, my favorite thing right now, cut off. They're mm-hmm. back in. Just take an old pair of jeans, turn them into cutoffs, and if you don't have anything that you want to tear up, you can always just go down to Salvation Army, grab something for two bucks, get creative with it. I like
4: to do a lot of experimentation turning dresses into, or skirts into dresses, or dresses into skirts. I mean, all kinds of things like that, which is fun for the ladies, and maybe someday for the modern man as well.
3: (laughs) Someday. Or the post-post-modern man.
4: Who knows? Well, Brian, thank you uh, for your uh, realistic take on uh, the legislative climate for climate change.
6: Yes, I hope one of these days I have some good news to call in with.
4: We really hope so, too. And this will tie into our next... Uh, Segment, thank you again Uh, Brian, we're going to be hopefully talking with Adam Carver Who is uh, with a group of uh, students from the University of Michigan Who are out uh, working in uh, the Gulf of Mexico Right now as we speak in Louisiana So to honor them and the great city of Louisiana Let us check out the song New Orleans uh, By Louis Armstrong Or as performed by Louis Armstrong
2: seen a quaint old southern city Just think of New Orleans And if you haven't seen that town, boy it's a pity There's nothing like New Orleans It will remind you of old-fashioned lace, a glass of wine will greet your smiling face, oh yes. And if you ever seen a brown-eyed gal like my boy, you are down in the world here.
4: That's pretty great timing. Uh, Adam, are you with us?
7: I am. How are you?
4: Great. Welcome to the show.
7: Well, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
4: That's fantastic. So what in the heck are you doing in in New Orleans right now?
7: Uh, We're doing some great stuff. Uh, I'm down in New Orleans with about 10 graduate students from the University of Michigan. We're the first wave of over 30 students who will be coming down here over the course of uh, three and a half weeks in August. To do some volunteer work in the city of New Orleans, um, we're working with about seven or eight social enterprises started by local entrepreneurs in the city, and our goal um, is to provide you know any help that we can, um, whether that's manpower or professional expertise. But uh, you know our main goal was to apply. Some of our uh, professional backgrounds and what we're learning in the classroom to help these budding enterprises expand their business operations uh, and promote their their business development. And so we're we're having a great time. It's been a tremendous uh, experience to come down here in the middle of August. The heat index is about one hundred and ten degrees, uh, but we're you know everything has been a great success thus far.
4: That's great. Now, does your work, uh, it's the the postings and, and calls for students to join. Um, made this seem very much like something particularly related to the the spill or uh, that sort of thing? Is it, are you finding your work is related uh, to things engaged with the spill, or is it or is it broader, thinking about um, the region uh, as a whole and the economic Yeah, that's need a terrific there.
7: question. the The idea, uh, well, the the program we've named Ross Response. And so uh, the Stephen Ross School of Business is uh, the program that the majority of our students are involved in at the University of Michigan. And the uh, the, the concept to launch this program uh, came out was an outcome of uh, you know, the horrific pictures and articles that we'd all been uh, witnessing and reading in the papers and on TV um, as, a, as a way to apply... Uh, business school and graduate talent from the university to the response effort. But in researching the trip and the potential opportunities for us to work down in the Gulf region, um, we quickly learned that that would be near impossible. Not only is the, uh, is the oil spill response effort the domain of the Coast Guard and BP, but um, any volunteers would need some type of mandatory hazmat training, and in the areas where the oil spill has... Afflicted uh, the the regions by the water, there really just isn't the infrastructure to host the hordes of volunteers that were offering their services, and we we finally uh, had to come to the realization that uh, what we wanted to accomplish was really you know the, the main goal here was to help people who were on the ground. If we weren't able to help animals or the ecosystem, we wanted to be, we wanted to revitalize the area, and perhaps the best way to do that was to help revitalize and restore the communities uh, in southern Louisiana that have just had such a tough time over the past five years. So we're actually not doing anything related to the oil spill directly, although a team of our students went, went down to Venice yesterday and had a, a pretty interesting experience uh, speaking with the local response team uh, led by BP. And hopefully the, the next couple of ways of students will be able to take a fishing boat out um, on the Gulf and speak and interact with some of the local fishermen and business people uh, who've had a terrible time over the past several months. But we're working directly in the city of New Orleans with these seven social enterprises that, which range from charter schools to healthy lunches to finding alternative sources of energy for residents uh, and even one uh, brand new startup that is trying to collect uh, the grease from uh, restaurants in southern Mississippi and southern Louisiana, and then refine that into biofuels, and then sell that to fishermen who have been using diesel fuel for their boats and help them transition to biofuel. So it's some really exciting stuff that's going on. It's not directly related to the oil spill, but it, it is directly related to, hope, to hopefully um, you know, helping to revitalize this area and serving the underserved in the New Orleans uh, region.
1: So, so what are you doing with these entrepreneurs? Um, for example, the, this biofuels startup, what, what kind of services are you students actually offering?
7: We, we haven't uh, worked with the biofuels uh, enterprise yet. That's going to be, uh, be a, a project for the second and third phases Of students who will come down. But I can tell you, uh, one of our groups, we have 10 people right now. We've split those up into three different groups. So rather than having our students build one house and having the same story, we decided it would be a uh, you know a better strategy to place groups of three and four students at several different organizations and then get a multitude of different experiences, which will just enrich our our entire story. Um, one of them is terrific. It's called Liberty's Kitchen, and it's founded on a model that was that came out of Seattle, which was to start a, a commissary and then a cafe. Uh, adjacent to the commissary and the commissary and cafe employs youth at risk and individuals who never uh... graduated high school a mandatory component of the program is that everyone involved in this i think it's a three or four month training sous chef apprenticeship has to be enrolled in a GED program uh... and then they this individuals down in new orleans took the seattle model placed it here they've been running for about two years we ate lunch there on Friday, and the food is just absolutely stunning. It, it, we had some uh, shrimp and grits, which was incredible uh, and You should see this place run. Uh, I was fortunate enough to attend this ceremony on Friday, where two of the two students had graduate were graduating from the, the three month program, and they the Liberty's Kitchen invited their families and their friends to come, and they all had a communal lunch and then they went around and told these individuals one of them had been incarcerated, uh, was 19 years old, the other one was a single mother of I think seventeen or 18 years old, and they had you know they had gotten involved in this program, learned you know the leadership skills, skills in the kitchen, and basically um, they're about three or four weeks away from achieving their GED. But anyway, everyone associated with the Liberty's Kitchen program, they literally went around the table and told these individuals how special they were, what they thought their potential was, that they can achieve whatever they want if they keep trying. Um, And and it really was just a magical moment, and I felt so blessed to be part of it. And the students who are involved at Liberty's Kitchen as well as some of the other charter schools that this first phase of students um, are participating and supporting have, you know, I I think this is – Um, an experience that hopefully will help to put into context everything that they learn at the University of Michigan once they, you know, upon returning to school in September.
1: Yeah, that sounds like such an amazing experience to be having, especially um, to have these positive, see these positive things that are going on in New Orleans and be a part of them, you know, in in this climate when all we're really hearing out of New Orleans is bad news. So that's excellent. It really
7: is, you know, it, it, it is encouraging. There is so much bad news, but... When you're on the ground and you're meeting people who truthfully um, aren't affected or are maybe indirectly affected by the oil spill, but not directly, you realize that there are still recurrent social problems that need to be addressed, and not just in New Orleans, but throughout the country. I mean, clearly, Detroit has many of the, the
4: same world problems as New Orleans
7: does. <laughs> right. And you know, we've been looking at each other and saying, like, how do we take some of the lessons that we've been learning here and then apply them you know, to to Detroit and the cities where we all come from. Um, you know, it, it, we're, it, it's interesting. After a couple of days, people started to realize very soon that um, you know the best place to start rebuilding is in your own house, and then expand yeah. outward. So we're already trying to think of ways to take some of the lessons that we're learning here and the partnerships, relationships we've been forging, and you know, hope to carry some of those back to Michigan when we return in the fall.
1: That's amazing. Now. Um, is there a way that, that listeners who are interested in your project can support you or, or get more information on what you're doing?
7: That's a great question. Um, we Actually, there is one way. So Pepsi, the soft drink company, um, has been running a contest called Refresh the Gulf throughout the month of August, and we have qualified for the finals of this grant program for a $25,000 grant. And the top 10 vote getters, the top 10 projects, will receive the $25,000. I think there are over 250 projects in the running. Um, so, what they can do is go to, I believe the website is Pepsi Refresh the Gulf. That's not it. But if you go to Google and you, and you search for Pepsi Refresh the Gulf, um, the listeners can register their email address. Pepsi won't spam you. And if you go to the $25,000 category, we are ranked, I think, about 15 right now, and we need to get into the top 10 to get that $25,000. And the, the really great thing is that the $25,000 isn't going uh, as a remuneration for our students who are down here. We paid out of pocket for this. But what we're going, what we'd really like to do is have an ongoing relationship with the organizations that we've participated, that we volunteered for down here. And the way that we want to use this money is essentially uh, to either pay for two or three interns some are interns next year to come down here and work full-time in the New Orleans area. Or we'd like to fund uh, some ongoing research project. The School of Natural Resources at uh, University of Michigan has a, has master's projects that every student is required to complete at the end of their two-year residency or tenure. And so we'd be willing to take that $25,000 and pay four or five students or, you know, give them money through the organization, and then have it flow through to the students to pay for their research and their ongoing efforts. But that's really where that's, – that's the real value that we'd be able to provide some type of ongoing consultancy uh, to Liberty's Kitchen or some of these other organizations down here because they're doing tremendous work.
1: Awesome. You can find that at gulf.refresheverything.com is the website. So go there. And
7: then I think it's also – I think it's that and then slash Michigan Response 2010
1: Michigan mm. response.
7: And you'll be able to vote every day in August up until August 31st. So, we could really use uh, the support of the folks out there listening right now to get us into that top 10 so we could achieve, you know, get this $25,000 grant. And hopefully, by doing that, that serves as some objective validation of our project. And we really would love to institutionalize this program at the University of Michigan for years to come.
1: Awesome. So they're currently ranked 17th. So go vote now, everyone. Go. Please. That'd be great. Gulf.refresheverything.com. I will also put a link on our website. It's uh,
4: wcbn.org slash hot here and we'll get that. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. I have a ton of questions, but please, maybe you can join us next week. Um, I also encourage you and those in your group to consider writing a blog post for smallinfinityproject.com. Oh, yes, please do that. Because this is exactly uh, the kind of uh, stories that that we need to be getting out. Yes.
7: Yeah, it was a pleasure being here, and we do have some students blogging at the moment. My co-coordinator, Rosemary Lapka, has set up a website and we're trying to get some media up there as well as the blogs and the, the tweets. But we've been having some difficulty getting uh, regular access to Internet down here. But we'll certainly keep you in the loop over the coming weeks um, and can get that up for the Infinity Project because that's a terrific effort as well.
1: Yeah, great. great. Thank you. Thank you so All much. All right. Have a
4: terrific day. Thanks, Thanks you too. too. Keep Bye. it up. All right, we're going to go to a quick uh, tune, hopefully, and hopefully we'll also uh, have another call from our uh, newly forming Cleveland correspondent. We're going to have to hustle through kind of the end of the show, but maybe we'll go over a little bit, and uh, Carl won't mind at all. This is k uh with Wash It Down from his album, The Dusty Foot Philosopher.
0: When you hear in the water, you feel like it's order. Releasing your tension. The stress and disorder is big in America. Stephanie, Erica, both of them suffer from living in Harry cause, cause, Living is very competitive, hassling creditors, hazardous accidents, robbing with negligence, too many beverages. People got too many things on their <laughs> letters. TV's deadliest, professing the ugliest. Oh, oh. What the hell you keep on killing me for Please won't you come and bend down low Listen. Let me tell you what little I know And if it's worth something Spread it indeed like shit and vomit That's under your feet I was born in a pot boiling black and hot <laughs> Waiting to be tasted and, and a alive But justice would not come and eat my flesh yeah. Instead I had poverty to feed my stress yes. Until my life became an ode to the gun One. Not needed like an overcoat to the sun So I thought I was just made to exist Not to live or Change and resist, Ooh. but fear will have you believe in fear she she Paralyzed, have you believed in tears This is the therapy needed to use it Music is water, you know what my proof right. is? People need music like they need excuses People need water like Kanye she Jesus Wash it down, wash it down, wash it down Damn, wash it down, wash it down, wash it down wash it down, wash it down We know you're stressing So we made a little meditation yeah. Uh-huh. to relax and jump in the pool and you know get yourself together and sink and sing my people drum on water drink on water live on water die for water my people drum on water drink on water live on water die
4: for water may we also say that was yeah that was Kanon um with uh wash it down and that that was uh, a music, a song totally comprised of human voice and playing uh, water, which is pretty exciting.
1: That's very very cool,
4: fun. reminding us of the uh, many functions and integral forms that water takes in our lives.
1: This is it's hot in here on WCBN FM, Ann Arbor.
4: Yes, and
1: we are very excited
4: to have uh, potentially any re- reoccurring uh, correspondent. This is our Cleveland correspondent Ryan Raymer, uh, sort of Renaissance man uh, to the stars.
2: Oh, it's a Cleveland. pleasure to be hot in here with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're happy
4: to have you.
2: <laughs> it's a scorcher over here, that's for sure. That's that's oh,
4: yeah. that seems to be the case, and and y'all are right there by the fantastic Lake Erie. Do you ever jump in there to stay cool?
2: Oh, of course. Um, as as not as much as I would like to, but um, I certainly see it every day. If I don't feel it,
1: and I bet that feels nice. I bet there are yeah. refreshing Lake Erie breezes.
2: If I don't uh, feel its cool touch of its waters on my skin, I definitely feel the cool breeze
1: Mm. uh,
2: daily.
4: That is lovely. Well, I should say, Mr. Raymer um, is probably one of the most eclectic people I know, and I feel like that's saying something.
2: Uh, <laughs> From the eclectic group of people you know, I'm <laughs> the yeah. <plus> eclectic one. <laughs> I would say so.
4: I mean, let's be serious. You, uh, you compose music, uh, you play music, and we're not just talking like, you know, a three chord punk rock song, but like um, entire orchestral performances that are performed in Europe or uh, other things that are integrating technology into music and performance art in interesting ways in Cleveland, or uh, any number of... Uh, you yeah. You wrote uh, uh, and had a play commissioned uh, recently as well.
2: Yeah, well, it's just You're all one. under the large umbrella of the classical arts.
4: Uh, you have spliced um, pretty hardcore pornography uh, and images uh, in, a, in, a, in art exhibits. Like, I mean... We won't get into the details of that. I (laughs) recently
2: had um, exhibited some pieces I did. uh, It was a series called The Vatican Invasion, where actually I went to the Vatican with you.
3: (laughs) As it turns uh, out. About
2: 10 years ago or so. And I had gotten a book about the Vatican. And uh, upon my return to the States, I got a book of smut. And the most logical thing was, of course, to juxtapose the two.
4: Of course. I hope we're not offending any of our listeners out there. I had no intention of talking about this, but it is kind of hot in a sacrilegious sort of way.
2: (laughs) In a sacrilegious kind of way.
1: Yes. Speaking
2: of hot in here, the Vatican just got a whole lot sexier.
4: Yes, uh and you also uh make mobiles and other forms of of wire uh art and metal art and things like that which can help you gauge where the wind is blowing the cool wind are Yeah,
2: well it it takes wind or some kind of air circulation to make a kinetic sculpture kinetic. Mm. Otherwise it wouldn't be uh wouldn't be turning around like a mobile should.
4: A good every good mobile should be mobile. Well, wow, it's in the
2: name. Right, yeah, that's, that's the name. Otherwise well, it would be a stable.
4: <laughs> well, I wanted to have you on, Ryan, to, to both establish uh, some base in Cleveland because there's a lot of similarities to between uh, the area surrounding Cleveland and areas surrounding Detroit, similar um, infrastructures and, and issues going on as well related to the auto industry and um, the flight of large capital resources and things like that. But there are also really inspiring things going on in in these cities.
2: Um, well, there's kind of a flight back into the city now that people are finding it's cheaper to live uh, closer to work instead of commute from the suburbs into the big city. So I'm part of the the white flight back into the uh, urban. Dance.
4: Yes, and you're also someone that can prove that even in a, a large city like Cleveland, it's you can walk to work.
2: And I do, even when it's hot. <laughs> How long does it take you? <laughs> yeah, that's part of the pleasure of living in Cleveland is I walk across uh, one of the several bridges that Cleveland has. Cleveland has a zillion of them. And uh, not only is it a great view of the Cuyahoga, it's a great view of the water, mm-hmm. which, uh, in turn, has a great view.
4: Beautiful. Well, you have a really exciting project coming up involving recycled materials, art, and this uh, urban uh, infrastructure that is sort of a forgotten uh, history. Could you tell us a bit about that?
2: Yeah. One thing that Cleveland has uh, still intact is a large catacomb of subway tunnels. And one of these tunnels goes across the very bridge I was just talking about that I walk across every day to get to work. It's uh, called the Detroit Superior Bridge, and uh, underneath it is a forgotten subway tunnel, and all the subway tiles are still intact. It's kind of like something out of uh, Ghostbusters, too, <laughs> if you remember the River of Slime.
4: Totally. We, we actually mentioned that River of Evil last week on this show. <laughs>
2: Really? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And there was like the positively charged slime that would uh, dance when when you played music for it.
1: But it and fed off of negative energy. T- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We're gonna keep talking about this this river of slime for the next few episodes. So it, just it means something. We've yeah. got some continuity uh,
4: <laughs> through the show. Well, one, I had no idea Cluevan had any sort of subway system. When was it decommissioned?
2: So. um... Yeah, although Cleveland does not actually have slime, it looks like it should because this old subway system uh, every year has a festival in it called the Ingenuity Festival. And uh, this plastic sculpture that I'm working on right now has been commissioned by the Ingenuity Festival. It'll be sometime in September. And I'm using all uh, used water bottles because of all the plastic that... um, You know, people consume water bottles seem to be the most uh, sanitary of them all because, you know, they just have water. So it's not like it's going to get sticky or anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm cutting water jugs and water bottles out into various botanicals, which will then be suspended in various ways uh, from various archways.
4: So that, by botanicals, uh, you mean
2: the, subway system.
4: the shape of trees and flowers, and I guess botanicals would be flowers.
2: Yeah, it's uh, reminiscent of botanicals, kind mm-hmm. of of petals and uh, like tree trunks and a variety of kind of avatar looking new plants that you wouldn't see every day.
4: Well, I th- what, is, what is your motivation for, for combining these recycled materials in that sort of way in this, in this um, sort of abandoned but historically interesting space?
2: Well, I, I didn't want people to be like, oh, like, look at all the cool things he did with water bottles. I just wanted people to be like, wow, what a cool plastic sculpture. What on earth is it made out of? Oh, my goodness, it's made out of water bottles. Maybe water bottles are as useless as they thought they were to begin with. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, uh, all of the plastic that I'm working with uh, I've collected from donation. And people have been shocked at how quickly they can accrue large amounts of plastic water bottles. And it has become somewhat of a realization with people how much they actually consume. So that's been... Uh, Kind of like a gratifying side note to this whole thing is to uh, expose to people their own waste.
3: Mm, Absolutely.
2: Because when it actually collects, instead of just being picked up every week by the garbage man, when it actually collects for them to see, uh, myself included, it's a great eye-opener to see how much uh, water bottles we actually dispose of every week.
4: Wow. On hot days, so
2: instead of disposing of them, I'm just going <laughs> to re-shmoo them together.
4: <laughs> Shmoo them up. What are you using as an adhesive?
2: <laughs> yeah, they're going to be um, re-shmooed.
4: What are you using as an adhesive?
3: Is it,
2: um, uh, well, like... the whole project is going to be completely non-toxic. Not that I'm encouraging like children to come up and eat it or lick it or anything. Aside
3: but, from the plastic it's